Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... I'm Bill Jarvis. I am Ben Young. And that's all we got with us today. Um, Hey, it's all right, though. Uh, Today we are talking about The Invisible Man. Woohoo! Invisible. (laughs) Where to go? (laughs) But before we get into that, uh, we're going to throw it over to Ben Young for the news. Hey, what's up? Hey, I'm back. I'm on vacation. Hey, hey the boys how back. was it? I still haven't listened. Huh? How was it? Oh, it was good. I dropped my phone in the pool. I jumped in the pool with my phone. Oh, yeah, what do you mean? How is first. it? He was giving us updates the whole time. I know, and he's I love it. He's asking for the listeners. For the oh, listeners, see they don't know. But yeah. I, I trust you. Okay, let's just let's just uh, part the curtain here. I lived for Penn's <laughs> vacation. I really envisioned everything every detail he gave me i gave good details too it was, it was awesome. very yeah. good i just loved it it was a good vacation but uh yeah no i still don't have a phone so that sucks but whatever you, you live without it as sci-fi tells us um but yeah so i didn't listen to last week's episode so i hope it was good but anyway news <clears throat> former vikings kicker chris clue known for his outspoken activism while on the team has written a young adult sci-fi novel called Otaku. Is that the right pronunciation, or is it like Otaku? That's that's Otaku. Otaku, yeah. okay. Um, I'm not a weeb. Um, set in a future might. That's why I went on vacation. But wait, there's more, Ben. <laughs> ah, damn it. Set in a future Miami threatened by rising sea levels caused by climate change, the book tells the story of Ashley, a.k.a. Ashura, the Terrible. Clue, aka Ashura the Terrible. That's like her gamer handle. Mm. Clue says she is basically the top tier gamer in this world. Uh, he's written all sorts of, of stuff since his retirement from blog since his retirement in 2014, from blogs to like essays to science fiction. And this is his latest one. He says that his inspiration for this story comes from William Gibson, who is the godfather of cyberpunk, as everyone knows. And Otaku is now out wherever books are sold. I did want to read this quote from him, which I thought was really funny. Um, he says, he's, he's always been an activist. I don't know how much you guys know about Chris Clue. I did know him, and I forgot about him, and then I found this, and I was like, oh, yeah, all right. Um, he was, like, a big, like, very vocal activist for, like, gay rights marriage, gay, right, gay marriage rights when that was, like, a thing in uh, the late 2000s. And uh, it actually caused him a lot of problems on the Vikings, and they, that's eventually why they parted. That's wild. Mm-hmm. But he's a cool dude. Um, he says, I think it's no surprise to the people in Minnesota who know me that I am also a huge nerd. I don't think I have ever hidden that part of my life, he said from his home in California. In fact, the way Clue tells it, it's remarkable he became a football player at all. And uh, so if it wasn't for my parents making me go out and play sports, I probably wouldn't have gone outside and played sports. But it turned out I was pretty good at them, so I ended up making that a career. Nice. And now he's doing what he wants to do. So just so the folks at home are following, <laughs> if you go and play sports, you'll be good at sports. If you don't, you won't. I, I mean, that's I, I very think, true. I think, I think the lesson here is listen to your parents and do what they tell you and follow your dreams after you can support yourself. True. There you go. All right. That's not what we're doing. Hey, the first trailer for Amazon's retro futuristic sci-fi show, Tales from the Loop, dropped last week. The show is based on the art book of the same name by Simon Stalenhag, uh, which has also spawned a fairly successful tabletop role-playing game, which we have played. Yeah. 
Did you, it was fun. Did you play? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did play. You were in the second was, game, right? I think it was Carl or whatever his name is. Carl the janitor. Um, the series is set in an alternate history set in the 80s, filled with strange machines and creatures against a suburban countryside where a massive particle accelerator called The Loop has been built underground. For those who don't know Tales from the Loop, it's actually really, really cool. And I suggest you go and kind of like look some stuff up because it's a really cool world. And the show, it drops on April 3rd, so you can check that out. And you can look for our coverage on the series sometime in May. And finally, Ava DuVernay's studio has partnered with Amazon to develop Octavia Butler's 1987 classic Dawn to television. Victoria Mahoney, the second unit director of Rise of Skywalker, will write the series and direct the pilot. And for those of you who are uncultured, Dawn is the first book in Octavia Butler's Lilith's Brood trilogy, which was formerly called Xenogenesis. It's the story of an African-American woman who enlists the help of an alien species to resurrect humanity 250 years after a nuclear war. There's no word on release date, but we will be following it. Yep. You know, it blows my mind that people haven't adapted more of Octavia Butler in, into film. It's insane. It's like, not only is she the uh, one of the most prominent, if not the most prominent, female uh, sci-fi writer, but she's also a woman of color. I think it's really important that we start, like, they just need to keep throwing her into the limelight and they don't do it enough. Have you read Dawn? No, I have not. I read it in college. It's very good. <clears throat> very, very good. I had a, a writing professor recommend it to me, but I never got around to it. Very good. Recommend the book highly. I never read the other two, but I did read Dawn. Um, so there it is. That's it for the news this week. For more information and more news, you can follow us at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections or on Twitter at sci-fi cross- or SF cross-sections. Today we are talking about The Invisible Man. Uh, this is loosely based off of H.G. Uh, Wells' Invisible Man from the 19th century. Uh, it was written and directed by Lee Wet. Wanel? Wanel? Oh, you're supposed to know this. Okay, can people just have normal fucking last names, please? <laughs> W-H-A-N-N-E-L-L? What are we... Why is the H there? Why is the H it's, there? He's probably like Swedish or something. I don't even know. No, he's Australian. Um, it's a British name, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, his name is Lee. Have <laughs> you ever tried to spell in color? Say it's a nightmare. Color? <laughs> I thought yeah. you meant... Oh, my God. I thought you meant, like, talking about spelling literal color <laughs> like nope. color like how do you spell the color blue there's red no 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 you gotta spell it spell the concept of the color. concept of blue like, like smelling blue got it okay so <laughs> the invisible man uh, had a budget of seven million dollars and as of today and we're recording this on the third of march just four days into its run, or is it the fifth day? Whatever, fifty point four million dollars. Mm, nice, that's great. Like, I know it, it's one thing when a movie costs a hundred million dollars and then it pulls in a hundred and twenty million dollars its opening weekend, right? Or way less than that, actually. But that's like, oh, they're not doing so hot. But then you look at this, and it's like, oh, they're doing great. It's because their budget is so fucking small. It's 700%, right? Movies need to start... I don't do the quick math with that. <laughs> I just... I wish Hollywood would do this more often. Just make a movie for $7 million. Yeah. Well, you gotta also remember... That's this... like how much fucking Star Wars cost. Mm-hmm. We're lucky that this even entered development to begin with, because this was originally part of Universal's MonsterVerse. Thank God yeah. it's not now. So... But... Um, 
I was just gonna say that's probably the small budget where the small budget comes from. They were probably like, okay, Mummy failed. You're yeah. not getting much if this is even gonna be made. And I'm sure Lee was like, I could do this for seven million. Yeah. Oh, I said, I mean, okay. I'm sure. Like, I, I, I don't mean to bring it in, but like I said earlier, like of course it's seven million dollars. All you need is a string and a knife <laughs> and walk it across the screen. Um, as you said, this was part of that shared cinematic universe. The uh, the dark universe oh, yeah. um this movie was originally began as early as 2007 is when uh, the first screenplay was written for it the original person to write it david s goyer uh not really sure what else he's done david s goyer is a powerhouse oh fucking i know Hollywood, david s. Goyer. yeah and thank god he didn't write it um well because <laughs> this is not for he, him. he remained attached as of late 2011 but after that he was no longer Sure. Even though he didn't do anything besides write the first screenplay. That's usually what, what happens with um, big names like him. And then it was in February 2016. This is when we we're still deep in Dark Universe territory. They announced that this was going to be part of it. Um, as of... First off, everyone knows Dark Universe did not do well in theaters at any stage, really. But uh, as of January 2019, they announced that any like horror, classic horror movies they released that are getting rebooted will be separate individual stories. Good. So, yep. At least we got that going for us. Um, oh, man. It was even uh, also initially reported that... Johnny Depp? No, that's not right. Speak your mind. Yeah. Um, I think it was originally Johnny Depp was going to play in the movie. Yeah, but then For all we know, he could have. <laughs> That's true. I mean, <laughs> um, no, I he think was amazing in that scene that he caught. That's great. <laughs> Starring Elizabeth Moss, Aldous Hodge. How? What was he from? In that show, right? Yeah, um, I think he was in Supergirl. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Supergirl. Uh, Storm Reed plays his daughter, Harriet Dyer, and uh, Michael Dorman. Door he man. wasn't in Supergirl, you liar. You sure? Yeah, you're a fucking liar. Why would you even say that? Damn, Con. I didn't know you were such a goddamn no. liar. Um, he was, uh, I don't know, He was in, he's kind of been a character actor for a lot of stuff. He was Jack in Black Museum, the Black Mirror episode. You never saw that one? No, I didn't see that one. That, was, that, that one was very good. That was a very good episode. But anyway, we'll move on. I love it when a cast is this small. Like Anthony Brandon Wong plays accident victim. It's fucking great. <laughs> like everyone in the movie is just displayed right uh, there. No need, no need to name that person. I'm sure Anthony Brandon Wong was like a seventh of the budget. <laughs> <laughs> he is so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's up and coming. Just you wait. I, uh, so speaking of the cast, can I talk about Elizabeth Moss for a second? Well, he's got to finish saying the cast, right? Sure. I mean, I gave you guys all the important oh, okay. shit. Okay, I thought you um, security guard number five. Uh, that's actually Nash Edgerton plays uh, security guard. And then uh, Vivian Greer as Screaming Woman. There you go. There's right. the cast. Perfect. Um, yeah, let's talk about Elizabeth Moss. Crushed it. <laughs> Real quick, before we do that, I just want to say Anthony Brandon Wong was ghost in uh, The Matrix. Oh. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, he's he's really fallen, huh? Yeah, bummer. That is a huge bummer. Actually, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Anyway, 
Let's talk about Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, I was going to say. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. We got to synopsize this film. Oh, yeah. Synopsize. Okay. Um, after Cecilia escapes the home of her abusive boyfriend, she receives news that he killed himself. But when she receives $5 million from him and a trust contingent on her mental stability, she begins to be stalked and tortured by a force she suspects to actually be an invisible Adrian. That was pretty concise. Okay. I liked it. That, yeah. that was the movie. There you go. I just saw it. I, I mean, literally it, it came all. After I saw it, it's also not a very complex script. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Sci-fi. So I thought Elizabeth Moss. Let's let's talk about this because mm-hmm. she was in. She's been in Handmaid's Tale, which I saw the first season in its entirety, and I started I season not. two. I hear it's good. I mean, Mad, Mad Men was where she got her. Oh yeah, no, she initial, started Mad Men. Initial fame, she's, and then she's Emmy award winning. Oh yeah, no, no, she's right? Emmy yeah. award winning for for Mad Men. Yeah, for sure. She's a stellar career. An excellent, excellent actress. Um, she's kind of got this Crispin Glover thing though, like we spoke about before, where like every time she's on screen, I feel intense anxiety at all times <laughs> because that's her thing. Yeah, like she feels just intense, intense anxiety and fear. And you just read that on her face. I don't know how her eyelids do that thing where it's like half closed and she's like just afraid. And it's like, so it's like a Crispin Glover thing where I'm just like, I feel this intense anxiety when she's on screen. And it's been in every single thing that she does. And I just want to like talk to Elizabeth and be like, you okay? You know what? She never looks comfortable and that makes us uncomfortable. I think that's there it. There you go. Because I, I, I know what you're talking about. I, I, I know her from Get Him to the Greek mainly. Oh, wow. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I yeah. forgot she was in there. Yeah, yeah, she is. And I always felt the same way, too. It was very like, it was like, ah, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I feel stressed with Jonah Hill right now. And I think that's it. You you hit the nail on the head. I could never figure out why. But Colin, she, she doesn't look comfortable. But she is. This is her element. She's very sure. good at what she does. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, there's something there. I mean, I hate... Like I, I don't want to put this movie down in any way. I feel like her caliber, I don't want to say above this movie, but she could easily come into this movie and just nail it. And she did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I was like, I was like, no, like she elevated this movie. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Like she could just go in and do her thing. I'm sure she was most of the seven million dollar budget. This movie needed her more than she needed this movie. Mm. That's true, absolutely. hands down. But this is a script for her. This is a script. I'm sure she was very passionate about. Um, you know, coming off of Handmaid, Handmaid's Tale, which I think is still running, but yeah. you know, Handmaid's Tale ha- and this have a lot of similarities, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, oh my God, I'm sure this speaks to. I mean, I, this movie speaks to any woman. I I feel bad that three dudes are talking about this movie right now. Wait, I need to get Emily right now. <laughs> Let's talk about. You this. said she wasn't watching it. She wasn't, but we could just start talking about this, and then she'll chime in with something. <laughs> I mean, she has years and years of experience. Not, you know, she not 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 <laughs> like that. Not like whoa. that. No, no, no. no she, she, okay, she just okay. Has, for context, she just has for a, context. For context, uh, she was a client advisor for people who are victims yes. of domestic violence. Nothing else. Okay, cool. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's you that probably. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> no, I, I. But that is that's like what I thought walking out of the out of the movie is like I was like man like I, I really want to talk about this there's a lot to talk about here not not a lot but it's dense the things we can talk about are, are really dense and but it feels weird to be talking about it as just three dudes because mm-hmm. we can never really know with that being said 
I felt that this movie did a very good job at putting me in the shoes of a woman in a situation, in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. I I felt the terror very much. Mm -hmm. Um, When her sister dies, I I was shocked. I surprised myself with how much I, with how loudly I gasped in that theater. Yeah, I was like, like, dude, that was that was a fucking moment. Oh fuck! Where did I see it? Was one of you that shared it to me, or maybe I read it somewhere else? But there was a guy who's like, "I'm a grown ass adult, and this movie made me scream." It was a horrifying scene. Yeah, like you don't the public place, the 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 mm-hmm. air of comfort, the air of right. and and for for Adrian to walk in and shatter that com- that comfort mm-hmm. of being in a public place just goes to show the amount of power this character had which was makes him i i you know it's funny because we don't see him ever mm-hmm. we only see him at the end but he's probably you know elevated to a classic movie villain mm-hmm. like he's become very like people should reference him yeah as far as the script goes you know this is it's brilliant i love this film no, I, you, it's intense. It's intense, the uh, helplessness you feel mm. the entire time. Because you feel completely helpless like she is. And, like, I don't mean to... I don't want to jump out of order. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that, like, really make you identify with the situation that someone would be in. Jump out of order. Don't, 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 of oh, hey, don't be afraid sure. to jump out of order. Get sure. up, jump around. Okay, cool. <laughs> jump, 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 jump up around. to get down. Let's okay. go. So, so at the very end, uh, when, um, when Adrian is having dinner with her Mm -hmm. the fact that you watch that scene and you're like wow this guy seems really genuine like did he really not do it that's exactly what you're supposed to feel because you're in the victim's shoes Mm -hmm. makes you confused it makes you question yourself but she had done this enough that she was just like yeah fuck that no she knew it she was just like she knew that she was being manipulated i'm sure i'm sure part of her knew it but i'm sure there was another part of her too deep down that's like oh my god is Exactly, but but then the the line where he's like surprise, and yes. it's no surprise, exactly. and then he said, "I'm like fucking kill him, right? <laughs> it's exactly. like get him, exactly." Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's it's terrifying, and in this movie has I've watched, you know, I've watched a lot of stuff about this, especially nowadays. This is ripe content that had never been pursued before, you know, in the past because it was never anything that that Hollywood cared about back then. But it's always been happening too. Like you can't forget that. Like this, this has always happened in this world. This is nothing new. Well, it's also it's also very interesting because it's like we talk about. Sorry, I got crazy. But um, no, <laughs> it's very interesting because like because the idea of the invisible man, right, mm-hmm. is that you can't point him out. He's just there. He's just yep, there, absolutely. and you can't point him out because. In the back of your mind, you're like, he doesn't exist. Yeah. But he really does. So it's like in this abusive, emotionally abusive relationship. And that's, I think that's part of the reason that Hollywood didn't pursue it is because it's like one of those things where it's just like, well, you know, you can't really point it out. You can't really put your thumb on it. You can't really put your finger on it. But the people in these situations are 100% certain that it's happening because they are part of the situation. And so... I feel like it's very apt and it's kind of a realization that I just had this moment is that, wow, that's symbolism for the invisible man and abuse, emotional abuse in a relationship. It's perfect. 
It, it always should have been there. I haven't read The Invisible Man in a really long time. I read it in college. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, when, you're, when you're going to school for creative writing, they kind of assign every H.G. Wells book alive. <laughs> um, so I haven't read it in a while, but from what I do remember, it wasn't, you know, the story is he gets coated in, in, in a chemical that makes him invisible. It's not a suit because the idea of suits that make you invisible in that way back when what was that the 20s the 10s yeah um that was ridiculous it had to be chemicals mm -hmm. um and he uh he goes insane throughout the film he does not start as this like mad abusive guy he goes insane throughout the film and my understanding of the invisible man always hg wells's version is it's the story of a man who isn't seen by society mm -hmm. um kind of like scratching the surface of like like the root of toxic masculinity perhaps but not like how to fix it it was just like oh yes when you ignore man when you ignore a male he, it could drive him mad you mm -hmm. need to give him attention right and you know hg wells kind of kind of did it and i could be wrong about my interpretation of it i mean it's, it's valid thank you yeah. thank you for validating my that's really you're like, welcome it's my position in life just to validate you <laughs> Well, I don't you're want. welcome. Hey, hey, you know, you, you're really stressed out. So I know that you're having a really big confusion about this whole thing. So um, how about you just sit down there and just just keep quiet there for I a babe, okay? Doing. Just for a second, babe, okay? I don't think I like it anymore. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, yeah. Oh, here she goes again. Oh, okay. oh wow. <laughs> I didn't like that one at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, I feel it. Mm -hmm. Like men suck. They do. Seriously. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm just gonna kind of go off onto this a little bit. Men do suck, and especially, you know, since the dawn of time, women have been put into awful and compromising positions, often because of men in their life. And I feel like a lot of men will never understand that and honestly we never will understand what it means to be a woman yeah no but i think the important thing is that we never stop trying mm -hmm. absolutely like that's like all you can do and i mean i feel like that applies to a lot of things in life you'll never understand but you should keep trying oh yeah maybe this is too extreme for the podcast yeah, it might but, be but i uh you know let's every explore time i think i think if we handle everything reasonably and and respectfully then we oh, can do it oh no i was just this is what i was about to say because i thought about being i thought about what it was like to be a woman and i always thought like okay why don't women just go to the nearest man near them and just behead them i don't understand why they don't do that yet. like why don't they do that yet i mean for the same reason you have to wonder why doesn't any minority go to the nearest white person and behead them that's a good point like that's a good well i don't know so. power structure instilled power structures within society mm -hmm. who knows right. you know it's survival well humans are trying to survive so they just swallow their pride or swallow their anxieties and fears it's yeah yeah thank you <laughs> i think i feel i think to answer your questions because cloning hasn't been perfected yet oh that's perfect yeah i gotcha because uh, it's necessary males are still needed for yeah, yeah for procreation but once we get past that yeah cool no kill away got it you head away yeah um, <laughs> is it a more peaceful way to do it? Like, just... 
Uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've been trying, you know? <laughs> right, no, yeah, peace isn't working anymore. Are you poisoning in my sleep? Go like, kill, you, oh, go okay. kill your local rich person. Got it. <laughs> eat, eat the rich. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, back on top. So, I, I, I'm, I'm really... Like I'm really mad you you landed on the Invisible Man analogy, but like also I'm really like proud of you, and you know it's really great because that was something that I was like, oh my god, of course, of course he could be anyone, but even more so, um, the con I believe the confirmation that we get that Adrian is him, that Adrian was doing this the whole time, was the moment we actually finally saw his face. Mm -hmm. That was the confirmation. It was it was the light being shown on him, mm -hmm. and and the you know Lee Lee One L telling us, "Hey, here he is," because mm -hmm. he had been shadowed the whole time. We never got a good look at him, and then of course he was in his suit. Even when we saw the pictures of his dead body, we we don't see his face clearly. So, mm -hmm. oh, that's a good point because mm -hmm. you're thinking of this monster the entire time, and then you see it's like. Uh, just some dude. It's just some dude. Yeah, but it could be anybody, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's the light shining on him finally going, it's this dude, though. In right. this case, it's this dude. Yeah, it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I was really happy that they didn't end up going sequel with it, because mm -hmm. they easily could have. You mean sequel to uh, Hollow Man 2000, starring Kevin Bacon? Oh, hell yeah. I thought about that movie the entire time. I just want you to know that. I mean that they could have they could have set this up for a sequel. They could have set this up where, you know, what's his name, Tom? Yeah, Tom is revealed to be in the suit at the time. I don't want to say he's the killer because he's not. Yeah. But he's revealed to be in the suit at the time because Adrian got him to do it. And... They could have been like, okay, and, and that's the film. Uh -huh. Invisible Man 2 is going to be when he gets in this back in the suit now, and it's all going to start over again. But they, they didn't. They, they went with a nice a nice uh, little fourth act, a little surprise fourth act to, to wrap everything up. And I was really happy with that. I was surprised. No, I was too. Surprised. I thought it was fantastic. It felt like a director's cut. Yeah. It was just like, oh, this is awesome. Because I, like, I, I feel like that's one of those like big... Well, if it were a big budget film, like one of those things that uh, the fourth act would just wind up on the, you know, wind up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. And you would just be left hanging. You're right there. This could have been like such sequel bait. And, and, and furthermore, the, the theme is still valid to leave hanging. Mm -hmm. Like he's still out there. That's mm -hmm. the point is that he's still out there. She's not safe. She doesn't feel safe. Instead of being this uh, making this a cautionary tale of sorts, they made this a tale of reclamation and of. Mm -hmm. of of uh of literally rising from the dungeon mm -hmm. that that last shot of her coming out of up the stairs out of this little dungeon-esque home that adrian has was was a great shot yeah i, I, I cheered so loud <laughs> our whole our whole my whole audience did i was really surprised i was really surprised like we had people i had people screaming over my shoulder mm -hmm. um when she was like getting dragged and like there's a couple jump scares in this yeah they're very tastefully done because mm -hmm. a jump scare is as good as when you're not expecting it. Mm -hmm. And it, that's when I like a jump scare. And I, didn't, I wasn't expecting it in certain spots because he's invisible. So <laughs> when yeah. they happen, you're never really sure. But uh, I had people screaming. I had people cheering. Like, when, when her sister died, the audience went wild. Everyone lost it. 
did that scene that was I, I just want to come back to that it's sure, yeah. insane it's, that was insane it's a nightmare it's it's mm-hmm. a nightmarish midpoint she finally gets the the suit the proof the checkoff suit as we'll call it where she stashes it away and that's the key to everything that's all she needs and the midpoint isn't over yet it it tricks you because in writing um you have a midpoint and then you kind of have a dark point that leads into the third act and that did that her death did not lead into the third act that was still the midpoint it was Mm -hmm. a trick it was yeah. still part of the rising action. Right. You you feel hopeful now because she finally has proof and people could finally start fucking believing her, mm-hmm. which we should talk about that. Um, and then she, her sister, is, is brutally murdered in a public place. Well, I feel like Devil's Advocate, that is a huge, I feel like that's a huge facet in a lot of horror is that little trick with the midpoint. True, true. Because that's like one of those things, oh, like, oh, I'm finally saved. And then. Boom! No, you're not. <laughs> True, but it was executed very well very, here. Very well. Very, very. Well. And, and and getting dragged off to to a mental institution was and is a nightmare for anyone. But to be to be in that position at that point, you're so ingrained in in uh, Cecilia's story and her character. Elizabeth Moss has brought you in. Lee Winnell has brought you in. You are so in her shoes at that point that the horror of her getting strapped down is is. Um, uh, visceral. It's it's so real, and I I was squirming. I hated every segment, but I loved it. This great, great, great script work. Great acting. Um, I want a sequel. <laughs> Honestly, with how well it's doing, we might get one. But all I want out of my sequel is everyone going around and apologizing to her. Yes, that'd be great. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> it could be like 20 minutes and everyone's like, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. And she's like, I don't forgive you. And then they get up and leave and sits down. I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. I don't forgive you either. And they get up and leave. And like the, lo- the little girl sits down. She's like, I'm sorry, I didn't believe you. She's like, okay, I kind of get that one. No, you know what? I was over here. You were over there. Ugh. It was frustrating. It was so, it was so frustrating. We keep going back to being in the shoes of a woman. It was so frustrating for people to not believe her. Mm. And I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm harming the mic. <laughs> no, you're no, fine. Absolutely okay. not. There's only three of us. You're good. <laughs> and I, they did a great job at confirming for us very early on that Adrian is in a suit. It is him. He's in, well, not just in a suit, but he is invisible. It's him. Mm-hmm. This isn't some kind of trick. They confirm it for the audience early on so that we Attention. are on her side, so that we can be frustrated when people just won't fucking believe her. Right. And especially with that white paint scene, that right there, that like sort of like, boom, yep, mm-hmm. he's right here. He's right here next to her. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, that, that was just like, holy shit. Okay, I'm in the movie. Everything. Yeah. Like, like, even when I, I I believed her, and you know, I believed her because the movie was called The Invisible Man, and that was the plot. <laughs> but, yes. But also, it didn't need to be either. Like, it could have been something different. It could have been a twist. They could have done, you know, horror nowadays is all about subversion. Now more than ever, horror has always been about subversion. But now more than ever, it's important because the genre grew stale, and they they need to keep you on your toes everywhere you turn. Like, just 
as a side note example, I'm very excited for Candyman because I'm sure everything you see in that trailer is bullshit. Yeah, right. I'm sure of it. Right. Because that's what Peel does great, you know. And he's executive producing, he's not directing, but my point. Anyway. I was going to say, so the ultimate example to me of, like, a film creating bullshit in its trailer is um, Sorry to Bother You. Remember that, Ben? Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to talk about that movie. Eventually, I yeah. think I think it needs to get added to the list. I, I don't... That actually... Yeah, that's a good idea. It's science fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know idea. if I can watch it again, Bill. That was wild. I know, I know we went we went to get coffee afterwards, and we were like, I don't know. I don't, I know. don't know. Colin, did you see that? I did not. Oh, you need to. Okay, we'll add it to the list. Cool. Sorry to bother you is is Boots Riley's fever dream. Boots Riley of the coup. It's his fever dream film. That's <laughs> it's all about eating the rich. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. It's literally that's the theme that comes from it. Okay. And and like Keith Stanfield stars in it, and he does a wonderful job. But it's it's a nightmare. If you want to know everything you want to know about the movie, just watch one of the trailers, and you'll be fine. You'll know everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah right um yeah no but yeah no you're right because that's how the genre is is that like it is kind of it did kind of go the classic way though like because i kind of knew what was going to happen i kept kind of knowing what was going to happen and the frustration that i was feeling i'd say that the biggest part was the way they framed i'm sorry the scene with the knife and the sister the way they <laughs> framed that was so beautiful because there's the knife floating right by her and then pfft, like that's my favorite that's like my favorite scene in this movie that's like one of my top favorite scenes oh yeah but like and that blew my mind and like you said i feel like one way that they could have gone with this and i don't think it would have been a good way i don't think it would have been good but uh but like what if adrian wasn't there <laughs> The whole time. What if he just wasn't there and she was going crazy? <laughs> I mean, then the movie would be a completely that'd be a different, different movie. Tone. That'd yeah, be a, a different completely movie. different theme. Yeah, um, and a very problematic one at that. That would be weird. That would be <laughs> just <laughs> bad. I very um, I think that scene is so good is because you you had said it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing particularly surprising mm-hmm. in this film except that scene. Yeah, that scene shocks you because and and you know what else shocks you when he puts his fist through the window when mm-hmm. she's running away yeah every time adrian escalates yeah. that's when you you're surprised mm-hmm. because it's always he'll never hit, sure yeah he hits her but it'll never go that far this far well sure yeah he rapes her but it'll never go farther mm-hmm. well sure yeah he he's he's destroying things to get to her at this point but it'll never go that far mm-hmm. well sure yeah he murdered her sister but it'll never go farther than that Oh, that's oh my god that really puts you that is, in the shoes mm-hmm. that really puts you in the shoes because you're you're constantly feeling like okay so he's doing a lot of weird oh. things what can happen next and then boom he murders somebody on screen sure. and then frames her and you're sure yeah. he'll never do it and you're like sorry go ahead i just read something what's up um this movie's not getting a sequel it's getting a spinoff oh really but it's not in the way you think so in november 2019 it was announced that a spin-off film centered around the female counterpart to The Invisible Man was in development. Elizabeth Banks was set to star in, direct, and produce a new adaptation of The Invisible Woman from 1940 huh. uh, based on her own original story pitch. Uh, Aaron Cressida Wilson will write the script for the reboot of The Female Monster, while Max Hendelman and Allison Small will serve as producer and executive producer, respectively. Banks was allowed to choose a project from the roster of Universal Monsters, 
ultimately choosing on this one. Interesting. Probably will have nothing to do with this movie. Yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. barely a spinoff. So, I, no, I just wanted to... That is interesting, that though, guys. because it changes the scope. It changes the whole idea of the film. It definitely won't be like a, a, a rehash of this. You couldn't, you couldn't rehash this with a story about an invisible woman. Yeah. You know, with Elizabeth Banks attached to it, it does make me worried that it's just going to be some like quirky comedy because that's what she does right now. And that's not a bad thing, but she, and she, I'm not saying she's stuck in that. She could be doing something different, but I don't think we'd get this level from her based on what we've seen so far. Definitely not. Everyone, everyone surprises. I mean, look at, remember when Jordan Peele was announced to direct a horror film? <laughs> yeah. Like, and everybody's what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And honestly, she's not writing it. So who knows? True. I um I have to say um for this one it really feels like to be um I mean it really is a small budget film but um it feels like kind of like just an independent little blip that's what it feels like almost like you know this isn't a big Hollywood movie this isn't gonna get any sort of sequel this isn't gonna turn into anything this is just gonna be your one night stand and you're done with it you know it's just gonna be this one little loop and like oh that was a cool movie. But like, like we said, like it's catching on because of the message, you know, because of that message. It's powerful. It's real. Yeah. People are walking out of this movie and recommending it to everyone because it's insane. Mm-hmm. People feel things when they see it and that's it's doing its job. That's what art should do. And they're doing it because I can tell you, like everyone in my theater was feeling it. And mm-hmm. I heard a, there was a guy up in the top left who I who everyone shushed because he said, He's right there. <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> and everyone goes like, shh, we know. It's fine. That's, yeah, everybody knows. That's that's the point. <laughs> I just, yeah. That's why I don't love to go, to see like horror movies in theaters because there's that one guy or group of people that are just, that's how they deal with the anxiety they're feeling is they have to just like speak to the movie. And it's like, well, they feel the anxiety and they need to release it somehow. Yeah. And they're just like, well, this is this is stupid. Or, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, whatever. And I mean, I was I was talking to myself quietly throughout uh-huh. it. I was like, you know, I was definitely you have to <laughs> when she when she shot Tom four times. I was like in the head, in the head, in the head, in the head. <laughs> like, what are you doing, lady? Double tap. It's sci fi. They could survive that. Shoot him in the head. Right. Um. Speaking of sci-fi, let's talk about that quick sci-fi element yeah. of the movie, mm-hmm. the suit. Yeah. yeah, I thought that's a nice uh, updated version mm-hmm. of, well, I guess, how you would become invisible. Um, kind of more realistic approach to it. Yes. Um, I first saw the technology used in a James Bond movie starring Pierce Brosnan, oh. and his car was able to do this. Yeah, I first saw it in Metal Gear Solid. So in Metal Gear Solid, there's this invisible suit, and it uses the exact same technology they're talking about, which was... Cameras. It was so interesting, because Hideo Kojima must have... I don't know. It was a very interesting idea of just taking, like, okay, so it takes a picture of behind you, Mm -hmm. and then projects it in front of you, Mm -hmm. so that nobody knows you're there, and it's... Optics used for being used for invisibility has been worked on for a long time in the Mm -hmm. military. That's, That's been a... That's an old, old concept. It's just one of those things that kind of fell by the wayside when people were like, oh, we could do stealth technology and just say it's 
shimmering or whatever. <laughs> and you know, some nonsense bullshit. Obviously, it, it working in the way that it does work. It, it, that is like the fiction part of the science mm-hmm. fiction. Sure. Like, like we've talked about on this podcast before, it's kind of grounded in reality in some way. Mm-hmm. Like it's plausible, but not really all that much. It's so. it's it's light sci-fi. Mm-hmm. We've we've been doing a lot of high concept sci-fi, mm-hmm. like from color out of space to Valerian so to <laughs> uh, to all sorts of films, and, and this this is it's still sci-fi, but it doesn't lean on the genre. It's it just accepts that it is this genre, and then tells a a, a human story within it. Well, I mean, which it, is which I'm still think it's really cool that it was updated for a modern audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I mean, they explored modern themes. Yep. Yes, yeah. and you know. Sci-fi should. Is it too early to go into good sci-fi band stuff? Because I feel like I'm about to. <laughs> no, I feel like we're where I'm, where I'm going with this. I, I've said everything I have yeah. to say. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I was about to say I think that the concepts that we were going to explore here, now, and um, I mean, if there are any more themes within the movie, I'd say I'd say it's societal. You know, it's just it's, like it's, the, it's a commentary on society. Yeah, because you think about you know what what um sorry what cecilia is going through but then you also think about the negative space as well like what how is society treating her how mm-hmm. are her friends treating her mm-hmm. they don't believe her mm-hmm. they're just like well he's not there or the abuse is not really there the abuse you're just imagining the abuse mm-hmm. you know that because he seems like such a nice guy that's you know that's what I, that's what's going on secretly in my head you know um and it's this invisible thing and i feel like that's a huge theme in this as well the, the victim blaming uh-huh. that came from her sister exactly uh-huh from exactly. with the email like yeah you know it, it, the oof, victim blaming coming from a lot of people actually yeah yeah it's a very well written script mm-hmm. um so what do you guys think would you say this is good sci-fi bad sci-fi bill let's go through okay uh, i think it's good sci-fi because um because it has a sci-fi element but it also makes me it's more of a societal rather than like existential questioning it's just like thinking like how how do we treat this how do we treat this issue what are we going to do with this and it's like and it explores it in a very metaphorical sci-fi way in a in sort of way but it's a very hard real societal question so i think it's good sci-fi because it raises it um I love it when sci-fi can be sort of a social commentary. It's why I love Star Trek so much. Oh yeah, um, you know, it explores you know what it means to be human, and they look at our society, but tackle those problems you know years in the future. It's a little bit easier for people to digest that way for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I do like to see that there is like a, a scientific explanation for this horror. Um, I just kind of like it when horror is able to do that. It doesn't happen as often as it should. Um, it's good sci-fi. It's alright. Yeah, I mean, you guys said it all. Uh, definitely good sci-fi. This is, I think, deep down, this is kind of the sci-fi I love the most. It's personal, small, like, uh, reminds me a lot of, like, Ex Machina. Which is a bit heavier sci-fi, but still, it's. In fact, this was the same cast, us three, that did Ex Machina. Oh, really? oh that's true. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. 
It's going to be the same cast who does devs too then. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it does. It's it's personal. And if, if anything if anything would have made me feel human, it's that. And more importantly, it doesn't just make me feel human. It makes me, you know, examine how another gender feels and consider my words and actions more carefully in the future. Not that I didn't before, because I, oh, I always been, try. You've but. always been a feminist, as long as I've known you. So, thank you. Like, I, I do know... Uh, <laughs> thank you. You're not... Thank you you're, yeah, you're not... Me feminist, I guess. Yeah, I don't well, know why I thanked you. <laughs> you're welcome. No, no, but I mean, I'm glad that you're still even like, oh, how can I do better, even though I already know that... We should always try to do better today than we do yesterday. Cheat little Star Trek fan. <laughs> That's... I, I, I mean, yeah. It's everything. There you go. Uh... All right, well, there you have it. That's our good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Um, next week, we got Ghost in the Shell coming at you. Never seen it of any of you guys? No. That's, uh, it's the anime, right? Not. Yes, it's yeah. the anime. That's us continuing uh, Miller's March Madness, and we're finally in March, so it's actually appropriate now. <laughs> well, I'm coming from, I'm coming from uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, the... Uh, the TV series. All right, you fucking hipster. So we're moving we'll on back in <laughs> to the movie. We'll see that. Um, and also, don't forget to catch Once Upon a Tavern every Sunday on twitch.tv slash Once Upon a Tavern underscores between the words. If you like Dungeons and Dragons or any kind of fantasy such, things have gotten kind of really fucking off the rails right now. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you this. Um, it's going to get bad. It's <laughs> it's going to get really bad for everyone. Oh, so no. uh, if oh, you like no. watching people's dream, hopes and dreams be crushed on Sunday evenings, uh, tune in. God. <laughs> I'm, in also bit, uh, bit I'm dot, in danger. Bit.ly slash once upon a tavern to watch us on YouTube, right? That's correct. Uh, with no underscores. Capitalized. So once capitalized upon capitalized. Really? That's required? Tavern. Yeah. It was wow. the only way I could do it. Sorry. That's crazy. Man. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. I'm going to try that. Anyways, that's all we have for you guys tonight, so until next time. I feel like, I, I feel like at some point uh, when Andrew is listening to this uh, in the editing room, he's just going to get up and walk away and just like, <laughs> like go do something while we talk. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, folks, one second. We're going to try yeah, He's typing second. right now. Yeah, let's type it in right now. Wow, that really doesn't fuck Bitly. Yeah, fuck Bitly. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you, you heard it here, folks. There goes the sponsor. <laughs> <Case> <laughs> um <clears throat>